Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Go Ramblers! Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Man, there's some great stuff happening on and off the court at Loyola, and we're delighted to welcome in the head coach, Drew Valentine, to the program. Coach, good morning to you, sir. How's it going? Great, great, great. Great to be on with you guys. Uh Obviously, can uh, continue to keep growing and getting better, but uh, love where my team is at and um, love uh, being a part of the Loyola Rambler family. What's not to love? 19 and 7, first in the Atlantic 10. Dayton is up there. You guys are up there. Drew, I have to ask you this because from afar, I mean, obviously, everyone has followed the Loyola story and understands the value of the Loyola culture and what that does. Moving to the Atlantic 10, I think some of us expected it to be a little bit more gradual in the ascent. Are you ahead of schedule in terms of what you thought this program was capable of doing in a new conference? Uh, not, not really, in my opinion. I just, I mean, last year there was a couple of things. One, we we needed to get familiar with how um, our culture and uh, just what the roster um, needed to look like for for you to win, and then. Um, our resources needed to, to you know, grow um, substantially and get to the point where we could be competitive, um, not necessarily, um, you know, have what Dayton has, but, but get to where we could be competitive. And then it was up to us to, to coach our team up and, um, you know, build what, what a championship roster looked like. And, um, you know, you're so at, at this at this time in college sports with the transfer portal, man, you're, you're really able to, um, you know, flip things quickly if, if you've got a vision and, and um, if you understand what it takes. And um, I think uh, after after year one, we were like, okay, we, we went out and used analytics and, and used what had worked in our past um, to help us come up with a vision for what we saw. And we, we didn't know if we would – you know, being I couldn't tell you we'd be in first place right now, but we thought we had a team that could be uh, competitive in, in the top half of the league this year. Now joining us uh, here on the score is the Circa on the Circa Sports Illinois hotline is Drew Valentine. Download the Circa Sports app today. And Drew, um, I'm a fan of the program. Um, I went to the Davidson game. I don't know if you heard me yelling at you. I was yelling, great, <laughs> keep it going. Uh, and and I, I tried to watch the Rhode Island game, and I couldn't get it on TV, but I did listen to it, so that was awesome. And I got to mm-hmm. tell you, I follow the program closely, 
because I went there. My kid goes there. I, you know, I love uh, what's happening with the team. They're really fun to watch, and you can play in so many different ways. But I'm also following the recruiting stuff, and I see you yeah. get this four-star Egyptian wing, um, Safe Hendaway. I'm, I'm probably butchering the name. Then the next day, you get this Russian guard, Daniil Glazkov. Maybe I butchered that name too. Yes. Um, <laughs> Who knows? But that is phenomenal. Those are two highly ranked prospects adding to the two guys you already have coming in. You know, while you're in the top of the A-10, you're also bringing in guys for the future. And I mean, this, like this, I was, I was trying to figure out, I think, I think maybe Miles Rubin was like the biggest prospect you signed since um, uh, Crutwig. And now these two guys are really highly rated players. What What's going on with your recruiting? You're doing a great job of that in season while you're in the top of the eight ten. It's fantastic. Well, I can't, um, I can't talk specific guys that haven't signed to the program yet. Okay. So I just, that's, but, but I'll, I'll say, I can say this. Um, I think we're recruiting at a high level. I think, um, you know, that's, that's what you want to do when you're, um, in a program is obviously you, you want to continue the sustained success, but you also want to elevate it. And, um, you want to pursue players that, um, can take your program up a notch and take players, uh, cause we've been to the NCAA tournament, obviously in three of the last five tournaments, um, but advanced in the NCAA tournament. So we look at ourselves as one of the top programs in the country. And so we recruit like it. We don't just go after people that we think we can get. We go after who um, is going to impact the program and help get it better. And um, I've got a great staff. I don't do it all by myself. Um, led up by Sean Dwyer, who's been with me for, this is three years. Um, uh, and, and hopefully we keep Sean with me for a long time. Um, I, I, I got new staff members um, Will Bailey, who's a Chicago native, a veteran coach, Justin Bradley, who's, um, you know, really helped us with our Ivy league connections behind the scenes the last few years. So, um, we've got a great staff and, and I think I'm, uh, very relatable, um, especially in this, in this generation, as far as a head coach and, um, yeah, we want to just keep growing the program. Your roster is full of some really compelling stories, Drew. And I think the one to me that needs to be told and retold and just enough for people to absorb what's going on here. Philip Alston nearly died on the court after having cardiac arrest as a freshman when he was going to another college in Pennsylvania, California University. That was four years ago. Now he's in the middle of everything and all the success you're having now. How remarkable is his story and what can you tell us about his character? It's crazy because, um, you know, we, we actually, because of, we, we have, obviously, we have three guys in our starting five that are from Columbus, Ohio. So we've recruited Ohio very well, um, myself and, and Sean Dwyer, my assistant. Um, so we had saw Phil play in high school, and, and then when we saw what he was doing at his Division two, uh we, we jumped in, and, and it was crazy just seeing his um, growth, like in his motor and in his game, and then finding out about his story, first of all, um, it's a it's a huge um, lesson to guys on our team to not take every day for granted. I think he speaks to our guys with that about how much of a blessing it is that you get to take the court every day. Um, and then with what he's able to do, uh, I think he has an extra sense of gratitude. And he's uh, 
one of the best parts about Phil, and I tell our young guys this, our freshmen, Miles, Ruben on our team, I tell them, listen, you, you know, Phil was a preseason all-league guy, but he lets me coach him like he's um, an end-of-the-bench guy. Um, he, he has an extreme sense of gratitude. He loves being a part of this program. And, um, you know, he, he, he speaks about it to our guys too. So, um, it's fun having that. The only thing that that worries is because of his conditions, he can cramp up a little bit. So in games, when I see him cramping up, it's like, he'll want to stay in. And I'm like, uh, uh-uh, dude, you got to come out <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> Uh, you're not, we're not going through that again. So, um, but yeah, no, he's extremely fun to coach, extremely talented and a huge piece of what we're doing right now. Yeah. And I, I love the way you can play in different ways. You know, you can, you can go smaller, you can go bigger, you know, you got some of these, uh, graduate student guys that you just play a smart brand of basketball. And we're talking to you here at seven in the morning. I'm sure you were already up. You guys, Tell us a little bit about this breakfast club. You guys are – you've oh, improved yeah. your free throw shooting by getting up early and getting into the gym and everybody shooting them before you even get going on the day. So it's a, it's a day after a day off. So this is uh, – I mean, honestly, <laughs> with you guys, like – Coach Izzo, man, when we would when we would be going through it at Michigan State, I mean, Coach Izzo is known for his term morning, noon, and night. Um, and uh, when we would, you know, have a couple games where we missed free throws, we would just go in and shoot them. And he was having guys in there morning, noon, and night. And so um, one thing that I was kind of thinking of was, okay, how can I implement that experience that I went through to our team? And so um, – we just started talking about it, this breakfast club. So the day after a day off, we get up at, at between 7 and 7.15 a.m. and we just shoot free throws for 30 minutes. We play like three different free throw games, but we also just get like 15 minutes of reps up. So um, our free throw percentage is now over, you know, it's like right around 72%. I think it's like 71.9 in league play, which is uh, which is really good. And, and obviously we want to continue to grow it, but um, that's really, really on, on, on Sunday versus – um, Rhode Island, Rhode Island. Yep. Phil, Phil Austin went 10 for 11 from the line. And, and after every make, he was looking over yelling <laughs> breakfast club to his teammates. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's just, but it's that like speaks to our culture, right? It doesn't breakfast club. If, if guys are coming in there and they're just thinking that it's a, um, if they're losing, you know, not able to sleep and, and, you know, they're like mad about it, it, it doesn't work, but if you believe in it, if you trust in it, if you buy into the meaning of it, and then when you get in the game, if you trust your training, that's when it works. And so I think our guys are – we just got a really good group of young men that we recruit to um, this culture, and um, they're bought in right now. I think that I, – I don't remember, Drew, but Braden Norris was maybe a year behind you or ahead of you in high school because <laughs> he seems like he's been there forever. He is a veteran. He's playing 34 minutes a night for you, still shooting from three – with great uh, high percentage, what does he mean to this team, and how do, how long has he been here? Because it seems like he's taken advantage of everything, and he still is an asset to this program, and probably the guy that most people, you know, when they hear Loyola and they see them play, he, he's the guy that probably most people recognize. Yeah, yeah, he's um, so he's this is his fifth year at Loyola, but he played his first year, so he was a part. Of a of you remember when transfers when when they used to have to sit a year yeah so he he played his first year was 2018 19 
And then so he sat out the 1920 season, the year that ended in uh, COVID. And then so the Sweet 16 year in 2021, Crutwigs last year, that was his first year playing with this. So he's now in year four playing on the court for Loyola, but year five within the program. And um, last night after uh, last night after Houston beat Iowa State, I think Kelvin Sampson went on and uh, went on Scott Van Pelt and was talking on uh, ESPN Sports Center about how much Jamal Shedd meant to the program. And, and I feel the exact same way about Braden Norris. He's exactly what everything, what's right about college athletics. He's remained loyal to this program through, throughout a bunch of changes, obviously coaching changes, roster changes. He's obviously been at the, you know, almost like the peak of it with, you know, Sweet 16 and then my first year as head coach with top 25 in the country. And then last year, not as much. And he could have left and he could have left and went out and got paid. I mean, that's what people right. are doing nowadays, right. but but Braden stayed and, and, and we had to recruit transfers last spring and Braden and Phil Austin, literally every transfer visit we had, we, I mean, and we had about 13, 14 of them um, to sign four guys. They were on every single visit, hosted every single kid. And they were like assistant coaches helping us, you know? And so like after a 10 and 21 year with like, okay, I'm bringing in these new guys, but are they really going to help me? It was never, any questioning with that he leads every single day with his um work ethic uh he's in the gym three times a day every single day he's going to be a future going to be a better head coach than me one day uh (laughs) i love having him around (laughs) um incredible student incredible student athlete ambassador all that I, i could talk forever about how much value he has and how much trust he has i just we're going to miss him after this year but but we still got some time with him so we're trying to make the most of it Drew, you know, David and I were talking this morning kind of off the air about what's going on in college basketball and and just kind of you look around the landscape and, my God, it is, you know, with the transfer transfer portal, it's kind of a different animal now than it's ever been. You know, the NIL, the transfer portal, and then you're recruiting and it's almost as if, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but it's almost as if like the big schools are recruiting the top 50 players and they're recruiting the transfer portal. And for a team like yourself, for a group like yourself, those bottom 50 of the top 100 are open to be recruited because they're not being chased as much as they used to because of all this transfer portal stuff. Now, you've done a great job working the portal, and obviously you're doing a great job uh, recruiting the uh, you know getting top 100 players in here, how how has that shifted the way that you go about business? The the idea that the portal has become this sort of um, new frontier for for college basketball. Well, I think the thing that that's really um, allowed it to kind of be crazy over these last few years specifically is everybody having a COVID year, all the, all yeah. the, all the yeah. student athletes having that extra year. So people are doing like, like there's a kid that's at Villanova right now, Tyler Burton that played four years at Richmond. And he would have always, you know, after his four years, he would have graduated from Richmond and went pro, but he had an extra year. So he went and got paid at Villanova. And, and so that's, that's kind of what I was speaking to with Braden and yeah. why he's so unique because it, 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 it was never that with him, but um you know, I think after the this this spring is the last spring of the COVID, um, the COVID year where like student athletes have that additional extra year. So 
I think after this year, it'll go back a little bit to, to what it um, normally was in the past. And then I do think, you know, you saw it with Dartmouth with, with them, um, you know, unionizing um, their student athletes. It's, it's eventually, I think after this year, and there's a lot of talk about it. Um, and even the NCAA came out with like a proposal. I think student athletes are going to start being paid salaries and they're going to start being paid, um, you know, directly by the university. Um, that it's just, it's going to happen. The NCAA has to get guardrails on, on how much people can make. And, and I think that's going to be uh, positive because I think that's going to, that'll allow things to become a little bit more even. And, um, um, you know, it's been great to have parity in college basketball still, but I think things will, things will start to, to, to go back to more of how the way they were in about a year or two. So Drew, you know how it works. You've got your loyal fans and loyal has got great fan base and, and support this, this program the way it should be because of the success you guys have had. But now it's like late February, a lot of casual fans are starting to pay closer attention. Like, Oh my gosh, Loyola is good again. They're still good. And as March approaches and you hope to get in the tournament and make some noise there, if people are watching you, your team play, and they're like, oh, yeah, they're in the A-10 now, stylistically, how different is it, your style and approach in this conference? Has it changed, or what kind of differences will we see if people are look, tuning into Loyola for the first time in a while? Well, I think um, a lot of what we do in the half court offensively and defensively is pretty similar. Um, we're physical um, defensively, we're tough, we're gritty, we're connected. And then offensively, we really share the ball. We really move the ball. We don't just pound it, pound it, pound it. Um, but I think there's a couple of unique things is, is one, we have rim protection. We have a, one of the best shot blockers in the country and our freshman miles Rubin. That's different. You know, Crutwig was, uh, was, uh, jumping two feet off, the, you know, two inches <laughs> off the ground and miles is jumping two feet off the ground. So, um, that's a little bit, that's, so that's a little bit different. Um, and then I think we've got, we play faster. Um, our tempo is, is now up in the top 100 of the country as far as how fast. So you'll see us flying the ball to court. That's kind of the Michigan State influence that, uh, that I have as far as how fast we're playing in transition. And then offensively, um, you'll see us with, you know, we kind of got a Crutwick 2.0 in our, our Dartmouth transfer, Dame Adelican. So yeah. um, we're, we're very similar to what Loyola's been about, but we have the, you know, a shot blocker inside defensively. We're playing faster, so I think we're more fun to watch offensively. And then to close games, we give the ball to our Ivy League transfer, Dame Adelican, and, and we always talk about late game is Dame time. So our own version of, our own version of it. So um, I think we're fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think you're tons of fun to watch and you're and you're winning close games and you're obviously um you got it going. And and as I said, you can play in different ways, you know. So so Miles Rubin picks up a couple fouls early in the Rhode Island game and then you go to more of your bigger lineup and you're battling that way. Uh Tom Welch appears. I'd forgotten he was even around. That guy was once like the greatest goalkeeper. I'm not making this up. That guy could have like gone to England or Germany or something. I mean, he's a, a tremendous goalkeeper uh, out in Naperville when he was younger. Um, it was so cool to just see you using different players and and mixing it in. And uh, and I don't know that that Miles had a lot of time in that game as a result. Yeah, yeah, and that's 
that's what we always want to continue to do here is we want to, we don't want to have to rely on one person to, to make our, make or break our season. You know, obviously we want to have, you know, guys that are projected, you know, uh, all conference players and projected professional basketball players, but like the strength of our team is always um, at this level um, going to be what, what we need to rely on. And we have to recruit 13 guys every year that can help us win games. Mm. And uh, that's, that's what we um, are going to continue to do. And, and this spring will be super important for us to, to finish off our roster and um, make sure that, that we've got, obviously we've got some talented freshmen coming in, but we, but we got to have some uh, veterans to go with our returners, which for the first time in a couple of years, we got, you know, some all conference level returners coming back. So we're really excited about that. And um, yeah, I think our depth is always going to be, um, you know, something that I'm going to rely upon and something that I'm going to always continue to build. Great stuff, Drew. Great catching up with you. Continue the great work. Really excited about uh, the season and can't wait till you get into that tournament and and then the big one. Yeah, thanks, Drew. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. You guys are awesome. Thanks for always supporting our program. Go Ramblers. Go Ramblers. Go I Ramblers. love it. They play uh, George Mason Saturday at 3.30. I'm telling you, it's it's well worth going out to a game. Great atmosphere. And and on March 1st, Dayton's coming oh to Oh, my town. gosh. That's going to be the big one. That's going to be the showdown. That's that gonna could be, be the for big first one. place in yes. the Atlantic 10. Could be for first place in the conference tournament. You know, you, you want to yeah. set yourself up because you're going to be playing three days and three games and you know how many I, days. I meant that sincerely when I asked him. I did not expect, and I wonder how you feel. Year two of the Atlantic Ten was not what I expected to be talking about. Loyola in first place. No, I thought they no. would struggle. I thought they it would were, take a little more time. They were in time. last place yeah. last year. They what really struggled getting into that conference, and now now they match up. He figured it out. It's incredible how well. A, how well they put this team Clearly together. Clearly he can He's recruit. done a great job. Yeah. Okay. 312-644-6767. Mullion Hall on the score. Selling a little or a lot? <laughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the same garage 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Baseball. Bruce Levine. It's great to talk some baseball. Score Baseball Insider. Covering the Cubs and White Sox for more than 30 years. Bruce Levine is a newsbreaker. Inside the Clubhouse co-host. Alongside our own David Haw. We've got a lot of baseball conversation to cover. Great being with you. Talking baseball. Bruce Levine. That's a really good question, Bruce. See, Bruce, that has the first hard question. With Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score now joining us on the Circa Resort Casino Hotline is Bruce Levine, CircaLasVegas.com. Bruce, good morning. How are you, my friend? Good morning, guys. Lots of things going on here in the desert, both on uh, in Glendale and in Mesa. Where do you want to begin? Let's start with Tom talking yesterday and the way that he addressed the uh, the waiting for Bellinger thing, right? I mean, I've read Waiting for Godot. I've seen it performed. I didn't realize that we could just substitute the name Bellinger. Uh, pretty, pretty amazing the idea that he's not falling into this, I want to talk to the owner directly from Scott Boris. You know, he's, he's, he understands what his role is. Oh, you, no, you want to negotiate? Negotiate with Jed. And, and I think that's... Good for the team and good for uh, maybe not so good for uh, the way that uh, Scott Boris wants to make his appeal. But I thought that was very interesting that he felt comfortable talking about it. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, it's probably not great for the middle of batting order. Uh, that That's the thing that uh, I think most fans think about is, you know, who's going to play center field? Who's going to play first base? Who's going to, more importantly, hit third or fourth in that lineup? And that's uh, that's the missing element. Uh, you know, you can talk about whether the negotiations are happening or they're not or who's talking to who. But bottom line is the Cubs need Cody Bellinger in the lineup. And Cody Bellinger really needs the Chicago Cubs where he actually found a home with a great fan base and a place where he could resuscitate his career. So... Uh, we've talked about this ad nauseum for about three months, and the reality is is that uh, both need each other, yet they can't find a way to getting anything done at this point. So, Bruce, having been around for probably each of Tom Ricketts' 15 preseason addresses to the Cubs and then the media, did you sense any different difference in tone yesterday in his openness about calling out essentially Scott Boris and the fact that Boris was not you know, participating or negotiating or even communicating? Well, I think there's a there's a, a, a confidence about Tom and where the franchise and the organization is at right now. Look, when uh, Theo Epstein left, the, the reason that he left, and, and we've talked about it many times, is uh, he 
was not going to get any more free agent money for from Tom Ricketts at that time. And Tom wanted what Theo was not able to, to build, and that is a farm system. That's been the charge of Judd Hoyer and his front office since. And, you know, for the most part, if you believe in numbers and you, you see some of these young players coming through, he's done a really good job of, of building up a farm system, a farm system that not only should bring more guys to the field for the Cubs, but have already brought in other players in trades. So that that's where I think Tom is different right now. I think, you know, the fans are back in the stands. We're, you know, four years away from COVID right now. Uh, he has a farm system. I, I don't think that they're ever going to be in the top one or two as far as payroll goes, but they can be a very good team with a uh, minor league system that supplies a lot of good players. And then augment that with a free agency. The Cubs are going to be, you know, right there at around $230, $240 million if they sign Bellinger. And, you know, I, I don't know if you have to spend $350 million be like the Padres win nothing and go into debt to uh, win in baseball. Well, you know, the the difference may be is that the Cubs have built up that minor league system to a point where they feel like they can tap into it, get a lot of good players working for them. You know, they're, they're in a really admirable position, but you do feel like if they don't get Bellinger back, that they're not going to be able to sort of um, meet the expectation that they created a year ago. Right. And there's a huge difference between, you know, three years and six or seven years that they may be asking on the Bellinger side. There is a difference between 25 million and 30 million. So there, there really hasn't been, uh, you know, hmm. anything substantive uh, lately. And, and that's, I think, you know, both of you probably would agree. That's the shocking thing is that uh, this thing is still on hold. Uh, it was described to me as Scott Boris has these five uh, massive jet airplanes trying to land at a um, at an airport all at once, and those are the five free agents that he has out there. He, he's got a lot going on there, and he needs to figure out who he needs to land first so he can get the jobs for the other four as well. It's so annoying. So, Bruce, def, uh, interpret the David Peralta signing for us because there's a difference mm-hmm. of opinion here in the show, a little bad blood brewing between Dustin and us. So I think that maybe David Peralta would have been signed regardless of the Cody Bellinger situation. Dustin's convinced the opposite. I think it's a protection. So Dominic Smith and him are both left-handed hitters. Dominic Smith, you know, it's a lot of slug in him. He's a first baseman, a DH. But the one thing that when we talk about the, the Cubs or the White Sox right now, we forget that they have to have a DH. Who might that be for the Cubs, okay? So left-handed hitting is where they're going to protect themselves in case Bellinger is not brought back. That's how I look at it. Uh, You know, again, both of these guys, minor league contracts, they have to make the team. Peralta's best years have been behind him. Smith is coming in with a broken handmate, uh, repaired uh, in January, probably be a month or so before he's ready to play. Uh, you know, these these are protective moves and depth moves for the Chicago Cubs. They're not answers to the questions of who's going to play every day. They're, they're kind of supplements of uh, veterans that can help out if indeed there are injuries or lack of signings, um, additions. You know, the, the other area, of course, is possible trades. And I think the Cubs have that in hand, too, because of their minor league system. 
Bruce, we know that um, Jerry Reinsdorf is in Springfield today trying to, uh, I don't know what the word would be, um, sponge or scrounge or um, solicit funds. I, I don't want to say he's there hat in hand because that implies that he's being humble about it. He He's there lobby. to yeah lobby for support for the 78, uh, just a billion dollars from the fine folks in Springfield. Um, I, it's kind of an unpleasant topic, but he's there doing it. Well, Mike, uh, you know, we had this discussion the other day when you weren't there, and that is if it was, a, a, if it was Joe Blow or some other person there doing it, would you have the same feeling if you're a White Sox fan that, you know, is there so many negative feelings against Jerry Reinsdorf that no matter what he does, there's going to be pushback? Uh, I, I don't. Well, I have you no know, negative I, feelings at all. I just feel like he's got his own billion. Why not throw that in? If there were a sports owner, regardless of the last name, that was going to appear in front of the state legislature asking yes. for a billion dollars in subsidies, I don't care if his name is Reinsdorf, Smith, Mulligan, or Haw. He would be. He would be. Resi- there would be resistance. There would be reaction, and there would be. No yeah. guarantee, Bruce. Right. I, if Tom I, Ricketts I, I get, were there seeking funding, I think we'd be like, what? You don't, you don't think this is happening uh, in 30 other cities across uh, the United not States? A billion dollars. Teams, not, a, not a billion team, dollars in subsidies. Teams, nope. When, when, so n- no team ever gets subsidies for their ballpark. That, well, saying? a billion dollars is a little said. bit of it's a... a big well, you can ask for a billion. You might not get it all. Well, what's he, the, the what's point, he willing to settle for then? I, I, don't, I don't know. All I can tell you is this. Would the Chicago fans, would Chicago, okay, would the White Sox be better off with a new ballpark? I think they might be better off with a new owner. Okay. They might get both, okay? They will get both. Right. They need, they need both, okay? Uh, you, don't, you think after 30 years over at 35th Street, that's satisfactory for the future? I don't think so, okay? So whoever buys... Different the, argument. It's a different argument. You, it's you, not a, it's, it's connected. Bruce, again. You're doing no, it again. David. Bruce. David, Bruce. You're, just, you're making that up, David. I'm not making it up. They're you want con- a new ball, ballpark? Fine. Pay it for they're yourself. Con- the Tell ballpark is pay. not fine. You're not drawing people at night at that ballpark. They're not taking public transportation back home from that ballpark at 35th Street. It's not happening. It's the city of Chicago. The city of Chicago needs a shot in the arm. That would be a downtown The city of Chicago ballpark. needs to understand its, its priorities, like the state of Illinois yep. needs to understand priorities, its priorities. Priorities to me is, is getting back people who don't travel to Chicago, who makes it, make it a destination for a great place to go, a safe place to go, and jobs. All of those things would be supplied. Tell me what he's going ballpark. to ante up himself. Tell me how much he's going to have. He's got at a franchise. He doesn't own. Look, he doesn't own that property. Seventy-eight owns that property. They're trying to develop that property into something that could be the jewel of downtown in Chicago. That's what you have to look to. You have to look at the future of what this is, not what he's asking right now. What's the future for Chicago? from this ask by Jerry Reinsdorf. And I, I think that, again, we've talked about this idea that it is an amazing possibility if you could take Wrigleyville and rebuild it on the, in the South Loop, where there's kind of a hole there that could help anchor not only that own, its own neighborhood, but the neighborhoods around it. And, I, and I'm all for the idea of it. I just think that the ask is insane. 
and that if you can't raise enough money to get that done, then sell the team and let someone else do it. He's going to sell it. Someone else will run it. But but he's in there to make money before he does, bro. Of course he is, but he's also going to benefit. He's also going to benefit the city of Chicago and the Chicago White Sox fan base by getting a new ballpark, which they need and they deserve. We're going to agree to disagree. I look forward to sparring with you all season long, Bruce, because this is something that it's going to be difficult to see any kind of middle ground. Either Jerry uh, finds out, either we find out today what he's going to have to put up himself, because that's the first question I'm asking if I'm a state legislator. I'm, I'm saying to you, look toward the future and the Chicago White Sox. If they don't get a new ballpark and they get a new owner, wait, just a minute. If, if they if they get a, a new owner in five years, they don't get a new ballpark. They're moving somewhere else. Right, right. Okay, that's always that, been that, the threat. I don't, I don't, I don't Nashville. Think we, Let's no, go that's talk not a to threat. the mayor. Let's that, go talk to probably, the mayor of Nashville. How much does he want to pay? A, it's probably a reality, and there'll be some other bad guy other than Jerry Reinsdorf being the front guy. They're not leaving Chicago, Bruce. That's okay. a scare tactic. All right. Scare. I'm not scared okay. of you, Bruce. I love you. All right, there's but, it's a it's a, it's yeah. no guaranteed. I'll tell you that much. Let me just it's, you know we'll put that aside for a second. This team we get we're getting a lot. I, I know you're working hard on the Cubs, and I watch you on 360, and you're doing a great job, Bruce. I really appreciate how hard you're working out there. I'm just curious. We hear a lot of optimism out of Pedro Grifol. I'm just a little bit confounded as to what it's based on. I mean how. How will that pitching staff be? How will that team be? He's he's said something along the lines of they're five and zero already because they're five days in and everyone's doing a great job. Why not us? Why yeah. not us? Yeah, look, I, I I agree with you guys. You know, there there's not a lot to put any you know substance in right now for the Chicago White Sox. But Grafal is happy because he doesn't have a, a whole bunch of clubhouse lawyers running the clubhouse and taking away whatever little power that he might have had last year as the manager of the White Sox when they failed coming out of the chute going 7-21, and 21, okay? No manager could, could hold up, and especially a rookie manager who was brought in to win and go to playoffs. So he's thrilled to have some control in his mind of the team, of the lineup, and, and hopefully a better clubhouse, better people in there. I think they've accomplished that as far as how many wins that equates to and whether or not the arrows can continue to point up for the Chicago White Sox, we'll have to see till the end of March and see what this team looks like. Again, uh, White Sox fans aren't all, all of a sudden going to become Cub fans, all right? I can tell you that, Mike, you, you have to agree. It's just you're going to have to go through some bumps in the road, and hopefully Chris Getz and his people are going to build this up. Great stuff, Bruce. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Bruce. All right, guys. Have a great day. Talk to you later. That's our guy, Bruce Levine. And that did get a little testy. <laughs> and I think that, you know, just as a general rule, as a tax payer, I am uh, unlikely to want to see any of my tax money go somewhere. I don't care if you're raising it or not. I mean, a billion dollars is a little bit of an ask. Well, I, yeah, I maybe get a little emotional there. Or, yeah, or, I'm or, sorry. I, I apologize. For no, I think we both kind of did. But I think that Bruce uh, and I have gone back and forth in this. This is probably the third time we've talked about it. I understand where he's coming from, and I think that we both value the potential of a new ballpark and what that could mean for the city and certainly that neighborhood. I think we just want it to be fiscally responsible, and that's what we're asking for as much as anything. 
312-644-6767. You want to pay a billion dollars? Yeah, are you on board with the billion-dollar plan? 312-644-6767. Mullion Hall on the score. NBC5 has learned that White Sox chairman Jerry Reinsdorf will meet with legislative leaders in Springfield tomorrow. Democratic and Republican leaders will sit down with Reinsdorf as he is looking for $1 billion in public money to help build a new White Sox stadium in the South Loop. <laughs> Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. I can't I can't take it seriously. You gotta I, take it seriously. I know I do. You got to. I understand. Because as much as we can oppose it, as much as we may resist it, I think that Jerry Reinsdorf is a businessman. He's also with a partner in related media. They're not down there because they think they're gonna waste their time. They're down there if you talk to people who are involved because they truly believe that they can convince enough people that the jobs this would create, the development it would spark, is worth the ask, which is $1.2 billion in subsidies to help build a park on the patch of land called the 78 in the South Loop. Good luck, on, good luck with that. Good luck. Because I, I just don't know. I think that's a hard sell. And I do, I do believe that, um, that, you know, Bruce – I, I feel bad about our interview with Bruce because it got contentious. And I, I love Bruce, and I don't want to get contentious about this. I want to be able to speak about it, and I kind of got fired up. But I do believe that if you're a legislator and, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf comes calling again 30 years after the fact, whatever the timetable is, you you know, don't you don't you reach and make sure you're protecting your own wallet? Don't you feel like there's a shell game going on and you're going to get caught in it? It depends on what your motivation is. I think that's, a, that's, that's the instinct I would have, okay? But I don't know that it's the instinct that everyone's going to have a different agenda based on their constituents, based on what's in it for them. So if Jerry Reinsdorf, who is a skilled negotiator. No shadow of a Skilled doubt. businessman. If yep. he goes down and appears in front of the state legislature and makes the argument convincingly, mm about job creation, about revitalization, about all the things that we talked about, all the things they believe in. That's why Bruce is holding firm. He knows what they think they know, and he's going to argue it on their behalf. So if it gets contentious, it gets contentious. I've talked with Bruce about this three times now since Saturday, and each time it, the, the level of volume raises, it's okay. There's going to be shouting. Let's get to our buddy Ron. Ron's on the south side. Hey, Ron, here we go. Hey, Molly, <laughs> good to hear you, man. I told David last week you need to come on because we got to face this season together. <laughs> 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 so I've been waiting for you. Look at real quick, real, real quick, guy. Uh, well, first of all, well, I'm, I, will, I will be reaching out to my two uh, representatives and letting them know. Heck no. So I'm just one voice, but that's how this system works here. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf is the same one. And first of all, I agree with you. I'm not interested in a new location. I'm interested in new ownership at this point. After, after this last thing, he's the same guy that when they built that stadium, he saw we, we, we won't have this stadium won't have to play second to any. A year later, when Camden Yards was built, it was obsolete. Another thing, when they were talking about uh, doing development near the park, right that area, Jay Reinsdorf was not interested in that. 
He wanted everything in that part so he could get the revenue. I've been a stocks fan like 55 years. I, at this point, guys, because I just love baseball, so I follow the game. But he can lead. The White Sox can lead. The, the, the club is bad. And, and so, 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 so that's it, guys. I'm, this is, it doesn't get any worse. And the point, and look, I, I love Bruce too, but listen to him. I don't care what they're doing in other cities. Maybe those teams are better, or, but, but, but this organization, it's one of the worst organizations. Look at this embarrassment that we just went through. It's a, so, yeah. so, 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 yeah, so, but, 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 and, 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 and just last, I, you guys got me going, but uh, no, no, no. And in particularly spending some public money, there are a lot more priorities that our legislators should be dealing with instead of giving a billion. I don't want to hear that about jobs and all that nonsense. No, you have the money, so you spend it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it, Ron. That's the thing that bothers me, I think. It's hard to get past the priorities that exist, that the diversion of these funds into, yeah, their hotel tax, it's already there, and you're not raising anybody's taxes, but you're using that money. Every dollar spent on the White Sox ballpark initiative is one less dollar spent on something else that matters more. You got people living in the streets, man. We got a lot of problems in this town, and, and I mean, I get it. You know, jobs and production, and I understand the concept, but this is really just about money. It it is just about money, it, it nothing is. else. And and I get I get it. There's like a lump of dough sitting there, whatever, three hundred and twenty million, whatever that fund is, that's sitting there waiting for someone to tap into. So that's kind of what the we'll ride talk on. about that when we so come back. So let's start yeah. looking for a billion, and maybe we get the three twenty. <laughs> right. Give me a break. We, we, we touch the nerve, full phone lines. People yeah. want to weigh in because this is something that's important to the city, the state, and to Sox fans everywhere. We'll be right back with your calls, Mully and Haw on the score. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.